0: Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. Today's sermon for the last Sunday of the church year, November 21st, 2021, is preached by Pastor Jason Goodham. If you have questions or comments regarding today's message, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website at faithlutheran-aflc.org. Good morning again. Special welcome to those of you who are visiting us this morning. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I would at this time invite you to stand as I read the Old Testament lesson appointed for this Sunday. The sermon text comes from Isaiah 51 verses 4 through 6. can be found on page 1142 of your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along. Reading in Jesus' name, Isaiah chapter 51 verses 4 through 6. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation, For a law will go out from me, and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. My righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands hope for me, and for my arm they wait. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment, and they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will never be dismayed. Heavenly Father, these are your words, and your word is truth. We pray that this morning you would sanctify us in the truth, that you would convict us of sin in our lives where that is necessary, and that you would comfort and encourage us with the promises of your gospel. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Today, as you may have noticed, is the last Sunday of the church year. Next Sunday, we begin a new church year with the season of Advent. And the continuity of the ending of one church year as it rolls into the next is quite remarkable. The transition is designed to highlight the second coming of Christ. It's the end of the church year and the beginning of Advent highlight the second coming of Christ. It prepares us to remember the first coming of Christ. But now we have a built-in opportunity to think about the end times. And here is where we must make a pause. Because for many, and especially in the American church, thinking about the end times comes with a great deal of baggage. That is because for many, the topic of the end times has become something that is entirely apart from what Scripture says and how Scripture presents it. The end times, for many, looks like a Hollywood blockbuster, apocalyptic dystopia. It involves the march of the Antichrist, a political figure bent on world domination. It involves a series of sensational political events and natural calamities. But most of all, the end times in modern American Christianity are highlighted by fear and uncertainty. This is all entertaining for many, but a far cry from how the Bible delivers the end times to the church. In reality, the end times covers the entire time from Christ's crucifixion and resurrection and especially ascension to his second coming. And this is important for two reasons. First, it means that right now we are living in the end times just as the church for the last 2,000 years has been doing. But second, it means that our focus on the end times on this last Sunday of the church year and into Advent is simply an invitation for us to reflect on what it means to be the church. And that is exactly what Isaiah 51, 4 through 6 delivers to us this morning. So consider, in light of the end times, first we learn that life in the church is a matter of law and gospel. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation, for a law will go out for me, and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. My righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands wait for me, and, my arm, and, and for my arm they will wait. When God speaks, he speaks his word to his people. When God speaks, then, he delivers law and gospel to his church. As the people of God, we are the recipients and caretakers of his word. And what that means, first and foremost, is that his word addresses us and not someone else. This will become even more important in just a few moments, but for now, this means the church has to get back to the business of addressing our own sins. One of the side effects of our sinful natures is that we so quickly deflect God's law onto someone else. When we hear God condemn sin... We always think God is condemning that guy over there and not this guy right here. And while it's true that God's law goes out through his people to the world around us and in doing so, but it must first come to us. It must first convict us of our own sins. If we lose light of this reality, the law becomes a weapon for the church instead of a service to the church. We will always be out smiting someone. If you want to know what this looks like, just think of each and every time you've seen Westboro Baptist on the news. Out and about, in the real world, smiting someone, with God's law, thinking that in their vitriol, they are doing God a service, as if God cannot wield the sword of his own word under his own power. But if we do that, if we're always focused on the sins of someone else, we miss the truth of God's word. We miss the truth of his law that God's law is designed to bring about repentance. Our repentance. God will and does condemn, judge, and punish sin. That is true. But God always desires to forgive sins. That truth will always be before our eyes if we see God's law and His Word primarily as for us. Because if we end with God's law, if we end with the smiting function of God's word, there will be no hope of the gospel. And eventually, if that's how we wield the word of God, there will be no hope of the gospel for us. And that's a dangerous reality. So as Isaiah moves on, we also move on and we learn that life in the church is also a matter of eternity. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath, for the heavens vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment, and they who dwell in it will die in like manner. One of the reasons the church so often whiffs on the end times is because we have a focus, an unhealthy focus, on the here and now. This leads us to be obsessed with current events, politics or otherwise, at the expense of the focus Scripture delivers to us. I've heard one preacher say it this way, that a an awake and prepared Christian should have the Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other hand. But guess what? If we have the Bible in one hand, and the newspaper in the other hand, what are we always going to pay attention to? The newspaper. The here and the now. Now don't get me wrong, God cares about what's going on in the world at any given time, and we as Christians should care about it too because we are called to love our neighbors and we want to know how to love our neighbors best. But more often than not, when Christians become focused on current events, it is because we are in pursuit of political power or because we are so obsessed with deciphering the signs and times around us in order to predict when God might come or to predict things that might not even be predicted. For us in the church... God wants us to remember that when he applies his word, his word of law and gospel, when he delivers his word to us, he's delivering salvation to us. And when God delivers salvation, he is focused on eternity. Now, is a focus on eternity some sort of therapeutic escapism for the Christian? Not at all. Rather, God's focus on eternity in his word gives us a better and proper perspective of what's going on in the world right now. Of all the things of the church today that annoy me, and yes, I'm well aware that it is a vast and extensive list, our propensity in the church to panic is at or very near the top of that list. We will panic about anything and everything in the church. The church is under attack. The world hates us. The church is shrinking. The church is irrelevant. And as soon as we panic, we lose sight of the reality that God is in control, and we lose sight of His great and glorious promises. God knows what He's doing. God has promised to be faithful. And God wins both now and in the end. If it looks like the church is under attack, that's only because it is. And this is what God has been promising since the beginning of time. If it looks like the church is shrinking, it looks like that only to us Remember God's promise to Elijah that I have reserved 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed the knee to Baal. I went through the last two years of my high school life thinking I was the only Christian in my school, only to find out someone from that high school at the exact same time ended up going to the same seminary I did. We lose focus of God's care of us and of the world around us when we become obsessed with current events. Rather, we should become obsessed with the promises of the Gospel. And that's what leads us to the final and climactic point of the Old Testament lesson this morning. Life in the church is a matter of personal importance. This last line of our Old Testament lesson is entirely beautiful. God says through his prophet, but my salvation will be forever and my righteousness will never be dismayed. This is one of the sweetest most comforting gospel promises God can make to us during turbulent times. Here's the reality the church must always focus on. Christ has succeeded in completing God's plan of redemption. God has told us so, and Christ's life, his death, and his resurrection are all part of that plan of salvation. They aren't plan B, they aren't accidental, they are what God planned from before the beginning of time. But what's best about all of this is that Christ's life, death, and resurrection happened in human history so that we know the plan was successful, and so that we know they are never going away. God is not going to withdraw His promise of salvation to you. He's never going to alter the terms of the deal if they become unfavorable to Him. God has done it, and it stands true. But there's another promise in these last words of verse 6 that we as Christians can miss, and miss easily. And we miss it because we're sinners. And as sinners, we miss it because we think God is continuously and constantly judging us on our good and bad behavior, moving us closer or farther away from him based on how we perform. And that's not true. Listen to these words again. My salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will never be dismayed. Now it is true that because of the gospel and because of Jesus Christ, these are God's words to you. And that's when our sinful nature, our bad conscience gets to work. And it starts churning in our mind and in our spirit. And it starts raising those objections in our hearts. Well, those might be God's word to someone else, but not to me. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've said. Look at what I've thought. I know that God knows my sins even more than I do. How can those words be for me? And that's why it's really, really important to recognize that these words at the end of Isaiah 51.6 are not just God's words to you. In Christ, they are your words. They are words that God has given to you every right and privilege to speak. My salvation will be forever. Forever because God has saved me. My righteousness will never be dismayed because I possess the righteousness of Jesus Christ Himself. Dear saints, I think the church's mishandling of the end times and our desire for sensationalism and panic comes from this root fallacy. We are always camping out on this sliding scale of God's approval or disapproval of our lives at any given moment. We're always grading ourselves and our performance and putting those words in God's mouth. But this deception, whether preached by the church or internalized by its individual members, has caused the shipwreck of countless people It's only the reality of the gospel that overcomes this. God is in control. He knows what he's doing. And with those two truths, he has saved you. God is in control. He knows what he's doing. And he sent his son. To the cross in your place. And his son died the death you deserve to die for his sin, for your sin, and his son rose again, giving you victory over death. God has saved you, and his salvation is never going away. This is why God's word is constantly telling us to repent. Because in repenting, God is always forgiving and comforting us with the truth of the gospel. And this message of repentance and forgiveness, of law and of gospel, is exactly what the church is about. As we move from the end of this church year into the next church year in the season of Advent, we are called and invited by God once again to think about the end times, to dwell on the return of our Savior, to be about the business of the church. And in doing so, we are both the proclaimers and the receivers of God's gracious and complete message of salvation. Amen.